Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Dog Days of Movies. My name is Eli Holm. This is the podcast where I go down, uh, essentially, <laughs> the downward spiral of cinema and talk through any uncomfortable, sleazy, gross, hard-to-watch, uh, any movie that makes the audience and the people involved in the movie just have a terrible, terrible day. So, last week I talked Abel Ferreira's New Rose Hotel. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. I know that's a uh, pretty obscure movie for a lot of people, so I kind of wanted to do something this week a little bit more mainstream, but at the same time mainstream in a way where your mom probably knows it because uh, a third of the Cannes Film Festival people walked out of it and... Uh, <laughs> um, one of the British newspapers tried to ban this, so, <laughs> so yeah, I just think this movie is obscure in a way that's pretty funny, and like a lot of disturbing movies like this, it's more mainstream in a way where your parents tell you, yeah, don't ever watch this movie, it's just so awful, and, yeah, there's just so much stuff in it. So, yeah, uh, um, well, excuse me there. I got a little, <laughs> I'm just, I'm filming this outside. So, I guess if I cough more, then you'll understand why. But, yeah, I'm doing this outside today. It's a beautiful day out. And I just wanted to, yeah, be out here, I guess, and talk about the insane car crash sex movie that is in my top 10 movies of all time. <laughs> I it's funny, like, starting these episodes because I'm, I'm always like, like, oh my god, you know, what, like, what am I even supposed to say, you know? I'm talking about David Cronenberg's car crash sex movie, you know? How, how do I even, like, introduce that, you know? But <laughs> I'm here talking about it. Hopefully, if you like this movie, you're listening to it. If you don't like this movie, maybe I'll change your mind. Um, I personally, yeah, maybe I'll just go through and talk about my relationship with David Cronenberg. Because um, I find him a very fascinating director. Uh, so I actually started off watching Videodrome, which is quite possibly the worst introduction to David Cronenberg. I feel like for some people it would be a great introduction, but for others that's more his thesis movie, and so it's not really accessible on that level. Uh, I feel like for a lot of people they would say The Fly or A History of Violence or something along those lines, um, but I feel like his most inaccessible thesis movies are, are uh, Crash, Videodrome, and Crimes of the Future, the 2022 version, uh, not the 1970s version. That is completely inaccessible to even me who loves David Cronenberg. <laughs> I actually prefer uh, Stereo, his other movie around that time. I actually think that's a very well-made movie, and it's, like, probably a four-star David Cronenberg right there. Um, yeah, anyways, I just think it's funny that I chose that one to start off with. Uh, and then I think I went to 
I think I went to history of violence probably because I was just going through you know okay what are what are his most famous movies and I saw that history of violence was pretty well known and off of the off of the horror trajectory that he had been doing so I watched that and I liked it I would say I think I need to rewatch it because I genuinely don't remember a single thing about it uh, besides the staircase sex scene, which, of course, everybody remembers from it. So, I'll have to rewatch that now, just knowing that I am such a big fan of David Cronenberg, and I do actually enjoy his movies. Uh, and then after that, I watched The Fly, obviously loved it. What, like, what are you doing if you don't like that movie? Um, just a very accessible... Uh, easygoing introduction to David Cronenberg until it spirals out of control and you realize why would I ever start watching this guy so <laughs> yeah I love that movie but you know it's a very very funny introduction to him and at that point I was like okay so David Cronenberg has made two semi-good movies that I sort of enjoyed I didn't, I wasn't outstanded, or how do you even say that? I wasn't blown away by Videodrome or History of Violence uh, in the ways that I wanted to be. And then The Fly, I was like, okay, obviously I like it, but everybody likes it. So there hadn't been one that I really loved. And you think I'm going to say, okay, then I watched Crash and loved it. No, I watched Crash, and I rated it half-star on Letterboxd, and thought it was, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So, <laughs> which which is funny, because it's now, like, in my top ten movies. I think it's, like, number six, maybe, which is just hilarious to me, that you can go from absolutely despising a movie watching it again, and then watching it a third time, and realizing, okay, this is, like, one of the best movies ever made, uh, that's just very funny to me, so, yeah, I, after I watched that, I was completely turned away from David Cronenberg, I was like, no shot do I actually like this guy, just thought he was kind of a, a joke, so, I, yeah, I didn't go back, and I didn't want to, didn't want to re-engage, and then, then I think once I realized that, okay, I, I don't know what movie changed. Oh, it was because, um, it was because he had just come out with an interview where he talked about, uh, Teton, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I'll talk about it one day. Um, but he, he had come out with an interview and he was holding up the Teton DVD and he was like, this movie is fucking awesome. And I was like, oh, so maybe this guy is cool. And obviously, Teton, you know, sex with cars, whatever. I was like, maybe it's time to give this guy another chance. So I watched, I think it was The Brood and then Existence. Both of those five-star movies. Love them. Uh, yeah, love those movies to death. Um, then I decided to rewatch Videodrome, another five-star movie. Scanners, fucking love uh, Shivers and Rabbit are rabid, awesome, but I was exhausted when I watched them. I'll have to rewatch those. Um, and yeah, 
And then I finally watched Crash again and fell in love with it and realized, yeah, this movie's a masterpiece. I don't know what I was on when I rated it half star. And now I rewatched it a third time and realized that, okay, this movie is like seriously a masterpiece. I think when I first watched it, I was like more focused on okay, what, what is he trying to say in relation to, to the characters? And, and I think why, you can still watch that now and, and go from that perspective, but you have to understand that the characters are just sort of place-ins and very like thinly veiled, distant skeletons of ideas that he's actually trying to get across. There's not really like a, you know, it's a super simple setup, and I'll get into it more, but you really just watch it and understand the surface level implications of it, and then you have to have to look at, okay, now what is this actually saying about society, or what is this saying on a personal level? You can take it either way, which I really love. So, yeah, I think without further ado, let's just get into it. David Cronenberg's Crash. Here we go. Okay, and we are talking Crash from uh, David Cronenberg. Okay, so just to start it off with a little plot introduction summary. Basically, it's about a man who gets into a car crash and develops an injury, but also develops a fascination with car crashes and his relationship with his sexual identity and exploration, and goes through an underground um, group of people obsessed and finding pleasure through car crashes. And yeah, that's essentially the movie. There is really not a whole lot else to it. Um, it's, I would describe it as partly a, partly a personal movie in that you're, you're, you relate to James, the main character, in that you're just watching, uh, and experiencing things from this ensembled perspective, while also, experiencing and relating it back to yourself so uh that's <laughs> i thought yeah we're already getting into it man i i love this movie i'm gonna talk all over the place with it so if you're not ready for that i'm sorry but yeah we'll we'll talk about it so just like as soon as you start this movie man the opening titles are so good classic 90s vfx just ridiculously like cgi'd lettering um <laughs> you know they're all like the all the words are swooshing forward at you it's just so funny and then the cl uh classic one of my favorite film scores um the howard shore score which is just these moody guitars creating an uneasy setting uh, I wish I could play it in the background of this, but I don't think I can, so I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I don't think you would want that, because the just that score is so uneasy and creates this tension of like push, push and pull, 
and it sounds sexy, but at the same time, it sounds gross and uninviting, and yet you just want to get closer to understanding its mystery, which obviously is super intentional to what we're talking about here. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I love this score like everybody does. I think it's what makes a lot of these scenes in the movie good and what takes them to the next level and makes them great. Uh, then we get, yeah, and then as soon as the credits end, we get an iconic opening of, um, shoot, what's her name? Oh, oh, Catherine. So we have two main characters here and two sexual encounters. We have, uh, Catherine, who is at a abandoned, um, airplane bunker and she's rubbing her body over the airplane in a very sexual manner, uh, just establishing this vehicle metalish fetish. Um, it's it's at once very sexy and inviting, and also very unnerving because you have zero context for it uh, when you start the movie, and it just feels intrusive but also intrusive in a way that makes uh porn exciting i think it's the only time in this movie where you can see the pornographic element to it and it looks inviting it looks like a scene from a porno but in that way it's inviting in the way of i'm not supposed to be watching this but i love it anyways which is just pretty fascinating um and obviously, you know, with the metal fetish, uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man, whatever, um, I'll touch on it more, but Cronenberg has always been obsessed with cars and with metal. Um, specifically, I think there's something to be said about the airplanes and how it's a vessel that can take you to new heights of experience, and yet the experience shown here is new heights of sexual fetish and sexual exploration. Um, obviously, the vessels of the car is more more apparent, but you know this is just establishing that as okay. People are interested in this, uh, and then you juxtapose that with her husband James, who is a TV executive. And he's having a sexual encounter with uh, his assistant or camera girl, whatever it is, and they're uh, they're fucking on the in the camera room, and just like <laughs> sweaty James Spader going at it, man. It is, it's it's like very. Um, uh, how how do I say it? intrusive opening, and just. Just shows you right away we are not gonna stay uh stray away from showing straight up w what we're doing here um and then you cut to a scene back at their apartment james and Catherine are together and they both talk about their sexual encounters and we get sort of um a background plot line and what helps uh craft james spader's character he he didn't he didn't climax with the girl and so it's this tension of of not being able to 
fully release the tension and fully fully release your sexual desire in a meaningful way um and obviously you know there's something to be said about about uh James and Catherine and how they use their um outside sexual encounters to further further make each other jealous and um and craft their own sexual exploration but obviously it's not fulfilling in any way because they are going to these other places so it's this weird tension and James Spader is not able to come and that's uh, a tension there obviously so and then obviously <laughs> we get the car crash and it's just James Spader terrible driving by him he crashes into another car the person driving goes head-on through the windshield and Helen who we later come to learn she is in the passenger seat and she as she is trying to exit the car her breast gets revealed and James is sort of fascinated by this in a way we're not really sure why or he he seems uncomfortable that he is fascinated by it but also I would say that this is the first time where we're seeing this relationship between sex and car crashes which I'll touch on more later but you know in this moment of a car crash you're stripping away every surface level um shine of the of the car basically because the car is a vessel and therefore an extension of you if you put it on this higher pedestal and so when you take that and then crash into each other with such a force much like sex stripping away those external forces and trying to the external clothing i should say um and then uh, being involved together in a sexual manner so just the the fascination between that and then seeing uh sorry you can hear a fucking guy on the motorcycle there maybe it's better that i'm doing this outside so you can hear cars driving by <laughs> but yeah um i don't even know where i was but um just that that tension and that that like fascination with these with the the foreplay and and seeing that and realizing i'm in an amped up state where i just experienced um a force of power so great crashing into someone else and now you're involving sex with that and being turned on by it of course of course you would i you know it's like it's like just seeing that awakens something in him um and i don't i don't want to you know i don't want to like uh say that obviously during a car crash you should be staring at anybody um you shouldn't be sexualizing uh if if the person finds it traumatic <laughs> however if you are in this movie and do have a car crash fetish then by and if it is consensual by all means please 
crash into each other and find it sexual. I, man, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and this is the turning point, because all that we've seen up until now is James Spader in this very isolated, regular existence. It seems very meaningless. He cannot climax. There's no release of all this frustration. He's just living a very normal, simplistic life, uh, content with, well, not content, but, you know, forcing himself to be content in his meaningless existence, which very dangerous uh, concoction. And obviously in the 90s, as people were falling more into these repetitive cycles of working and not truly... Uh, not being able to fully explore their sort of their other interests that seem taboo to their surface level lifestyle. And so, therefore, you're unable to fully explore your sexual desires, which could be seen as taboo. Um, and that's that's what I think uh, later in the film when when, James is introduced to the underground ensemble, uh, he sees people who have morphed their life around this, and they are living like this. Uh, I'll touch on why it becomes an addiction, but it seems like it could be healthy in a sense if it would have just stayed as an exploration, but obviously what they're exploring is so dangerous that it becomes... Um, it becomes an addiction, uh, which I think is just fascinating how you could relate this to drugs, you could relate this to regular sexual addictions. Uh, it really doesn't have to be this car crash fetish. If you strip all of it away and just look at it as, as underground uh, forces guiding someone along out of their meaningless existence into acceptance and later addiction. So, yeah, preview of what's of what I'll talk about. Um, yeah, this is just a funny note I had. I said the whispering voices are just so present in this movie because they are. Everybody whispers, and it you know it sounds like it sounds yes. And he was, and he was the you know and like and they're very breathy performances. Like oh James, you know. I don't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> what a weird thing. It sounds like ASMR, which I think is probably another reason why I didn't like this movie the first time I watched it, because I was like, if they're talking so purposely quiet, I'm going to fall asleep. And I almost did. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. And then, obviously, after the car crash, James and Helen are both at the hospital. Uh, James's wife comes to visit and says, well, maybe you guys will find yourself walking in the hallway together. And spoiler alert, they do. Uh, and Helen is with Vaughn, who seems like he's a doctor at this point. Uh, but obviously, if you've seen the movie, you know who he is, actually. And he gets very close to James Spader to look at his scars, look at his wounds, and see what's happening there. Very uncomfortable uh, watching that. Shows pictures of Helen's scars and whatever else. And 
there's clearly this tension between the three of them as James doesn't know yet, but he is fascinated by the the uh, fetish side and fetishizing and being entranced uh, by um, by Helen and by her wounds. And obviously Vaughn is already accepting that he is in, uh, entranced by this stuff. And so he does, he, he photographs it essentially for himself and creates a project. Um, and then another scene happens, uh, after that where Catherine, um, James's wife, uh, describes the car crash and jerks him off, uh, while she's doing it. And it's a very, I don't know, I, I, I never thought about this before until I listened to a podcast about this movie from uh, Girls, Guts, and Giallo, but they were talking about how the it's, it seemed confusing why, um, why she would be, uh, like, why she would describe the car crash while doing it, because she has no, seemingly throughout the movie, she has no attachment to the car crash fetish until later in the movie uh, it's revealed that she sort of does and is a little enamored by it whether or not she's being led healthily by James is up for discussion Um, but obviously if this is hinted at then I guess she does have some fascination by it Um, and then the, as soon as they get home, James uh, walking around with a limp, and there's a lot of mention of traffic, and there's three times the amount of cars, and he's just starting to notice and long for the freedom of being able to drive in a vehicle, in the powerful force that is a car. Uh, and when I saw this, I I was like, I I thought there was going to be some crazy science fiction twist uh, about why there's all this cars here and stuff, but no, again, uh, or not again, uh, introduces another theme of taking the science fiction, stripping it down to a personal level, which will come up later in the film. And uh, uh, then James longingly uh, goes back to his to the car wreckage lot and finds his car finds the porno, his pornographic stash in the in the um, compartment and this is another thing from girls guts giallo but they were talking about how uh, in the book it's revealed that those photographs are of him and his secretary which we see once later in the movie um, there was supposed to be a, a sex scene between them uh, and that did not make the film because David Cronenberg thought that there was too much passion in it, which is interesting because the only time there is passionate, uh, there is passion imbued within it is during the during the car crash exploration and sex in cars, which is just interesting. They so they see each other at the car crash lot. And they're both starting to realize that they're obsessed. Helen is already more so. She's already involved with the 
she's she's already involved with this. I, it's not revealed. I guess it, probably in the book it would be um, would be talked about more. Um, I just thought this was a funny line when when they do start driving. Um, <laughs> uh, Helen says, "I'll wear a fucking kimono if I want to." I didn't even write down the context of it, which I just thought that line was so funny. There's not a whole lot of humor in this movie, but that is hilarious. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah they they say they say I've got this feeling that all the cars are gathering. I'll touch on why, on my vision for what that was going to be later when they do reveal it. Um, yeah, and then they go to the airport garage, obviously have a sex scene. Uh, it's a really beautifully shot scene as the camera spins around and captures them. And you can feel the passion and release of tension in that, well, finally, James has found uh, someone who shares the passion and it's a, a mutual form of, of um, exercising this passion out of them. And it obviously comes from, uh, from cars and car crashes. Which I think starts off um, one of the arguments for, for like why, why I think this movie works on such a universal level. In that it's essentially just the story of... A guy going from meaningful, passionless life and sex into figuring out that he he can exercise and perform desire desire and passionate sexual acts, and so you know therefore he has found meaning in his life, and uh, it becomes it can become an addiction in Vaughn's case, but for right now. This is the first uh, incident, like the first hit of pot, or the first whatever you want to call it. And he has found passion, but it obviously doesn't last long, and he just needs to find more. Uh, let's see, I wrote at the top of my next note page, This is essentially just David Cronenberg's sexual hangout movie of acceptance and addiction. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. And I also wrote this down, that this movie really benefits from Crimes, uh, Crimes of the Future 2022 and Videodrome in that uh, both of those movies are about accepting your evolution. Um, also, I guess The Fly could be really every single David Cronenberg movie in a way and uh, stripping the external even in his more crime uh, driven movies, still, like, stripping down and accepting who you really are, and so, but that's why I say that Crimes of the Future and Videodrome are his three thesis movies, in that they both, all three of them, um, have sort of the, Crimes of the Future is the thesis on evolution as uh, and I guess mi mixed in with the fly as well. Evolution in the changing of our bodies. Videodrome, the changing of our bodies in relation to violence in media. And from Crash, 
changing of our bodies and acceptance and evolution through sexual passion, which I just think is very interesting. So you cut to the underground car crash recreation, which is just so sensually shot and one of the most passionate scenes of any film ever made. You really, I, I love this scene so much. Um, it's just so iconic in a way, and it introduces Vaughn, who is uh, like g rubbing this car, feeling it up, and you can just feel the passion and excitement. Oh my god. <laughs> you can feel the passion, excitement from him, and uh, another thing that's interesting that I'll note right now is that you can, whenever he's filming the cars, you can hear and feel the metal from the cars, and it just sounds beautiful. Um, yeah, and I, I wrote this down as sort of a general statement as I was, you know, writing down my thoughts about this, so I'll just sort of, just sort of go through this, uh, and then make a th final statement at the end, but, you know, you meet for one moment in a car crash, but it changes you forever. What if it was sexual? And I think the same way could be applied to sex, in a way. Uh, you meet in one moment during sex, um, but what if it was destructive, you know? And whether or not you find this movie destructive or whether or not you like to read it as a cautionary tale, I like to read it as a cautionary tale in that if you become passionate about changing your body and love this new evolution, if it becomes an addiction, well, that's not great. But I'll juxtapose that and argue uh, against that later on. So I'll talk about that. Um, yeah, and the Vaughn recreates a crash, and the camera pans over the crash. It's just beautiful, um, and I think it's just, I think it's just, like, interesting how, again, this is just me going off in my notes, um, how the, the, the chance meeting of the car crash it could just uh, could have just been a chance meeting of bumping into the street but it's when it's when you have these vessels of force crashing into each other and creating the split and now the the drive to no pun intended to <laughs> to figure out and and find a new way of life and find your new path of evolution which I just think is interesting. Um, and it's beautiful when you accept the sexual awakening, the metal fetish, the car crash loving, accepting the bodily, mind, sexual changes. It's just classic Cronenberg right here. That's why I call this the thesis moment. Um, and yeah, uh, getting back, <laughs> yeah, getting back to the, to the actual scene, um, uh, the police come after Vaughn and I think his name, oh, I forgot his name, after they crash into each other and recreate the car crash, the police come, break up the event, Vaughn and everybody uh, goes away, oh, his seagrass, I think, he's hurt, 
and Vaughn carries him away. If it's not seagrass, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> but Vaughn carries him away, and James and Helen run after him, and they meet up at this, uh, at whoever's house it is, where they all meet up, and you see that, okay, well, James sees and the audience sees for the first time because James is a vessel and stand-in for the audience. You see how, okay, this is a this is a community of people who are fascinated and are willing to go the lengths to find this evolution and find peace of mind in their evolution. And you see them and understand... Well, yeah, you see them and realize, okay, this is a lot bigger than I thought, which is just very funny. And uh, even even after the crash um, that, you know, almost killed Seagrass, uh, Vaughn talks to him and is like, okay, I've got this idea for the next car crash we're going to do, the Jane Mansfield crash. And it just shows already that, okay, Vaughn is addicted to this. He he is at this point so fascinated by this. He needs he needs his next uh, fulfillment from the sexual uh, passion through the car crashes, the pleasure. I should have said the sexual pleasure from the car crashes. So he yeah, and so he does that and tells him that, and then takes James into the other room and is showing James the pictures that he's taken from many car crashes, shows the pictures of James and Helen uh, when they were having sex in the airport parking lot. Uh, obviously very intrusive, but I think, I think it's implied that it's consensual between Helen and Vaughn. Uh, probably not. Well, obviously not with James, but, you know... It becomes consensual later on, as James finds that he likes this, which I just think is interesting. Uh, and then he says this. Um, uh, James says, I, all, I find it so fascinating, but I can't explain why. He says that as he's looking at all these, all these pictures of the of the car crashes and what's happening and uh, and uh Vaughn responds with that and says it's something we are all intimately involved in the reshaping of the human body by modern technology which i think is something more uh more implied with in videodrome and played with then but you and this could even relate back to Videodrome, but you find out later on that this is just a front for it. There's no real reshaping. It's all for sexual desire, which, um, uh, yeah, I'll get to that later because there's a specific moment where they do touch on that. Uh, but I think in this moment, it's, it's a thesis statement for if you took this in a societal way and not a personal pleasure way and said, you either accept it and recognize your evolution or be horrified by it. Seeing beauty in evolution, which could either be societal or could either be personal pleasure. Uh, it's just how you want to take this. 
and whether or not you want to read Cronenberg's thesis on the reshaping of the human body by technology, by sex, uh, by violence, as personal uh, and awakening pleasure in yourself, or in a societal way, and how we can advance together if we did this. Um, And, yeah, Helen calls her sexual... Sexual acts, traffic accidents at one point. I don't I don't remember the context of this scene. But, and this is where I get to, in a way it is, because sex is a ridding of all surface level skeletons. The car is a skeleton. Sex rids the skeletons, the surface level, uh, forces you into an intimate moment, and, um, and it is like a crash. But if you want more, if you want that extra force, those extra external vessels, if maybe it isn't enough, then the car crash is there. And relating it to to the sexual pleasure derived from just regular sex, but also if you need more, the crash uh, becomes the ridding of the external skeleton with such a great force that it just it just pushes you into this crazy pain uh, masochism um, environment, and you if you like it, you like it. That's what I'll say. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I said, the the intensity expressed in a car crash, the sexual release, the ultimate sex act. Which I think, yeah, interesting note there that I had. Sorry, my notes are set up just behind the scenes. It's just whatever happens in a scene, whatever weird thought I get, I just write it down. Not organized at all. But hopefully I can, you know, take it all back and actually make a good thesis and make a good summary statement at the very end. But if I can't, then boohoo. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a scene... Uh, I'm probably getting a lot of the plot lines, um, out of order. I just think, I just think there's, there's a bunch of, a bunch of sexual encounters throughout this, and a bunch, a bunch of intense moments here, but I really, I really like to focus on just what are the moments that stand out and ultimately provide a thesis for the actual movie. Okay, and we are back. Just had to take a little break there. <laughs> get too get too exhausted when you're talking about David Cronenberg's Crash. Just a exhausting movie to watch. No, um, yeah, I don't even know where I was. I think I was touching on how how yeah how I like to write these notes, and that I don't really write down every scene, just the ones that stand out to me as piecing together the the sort of ultimate thesis that I make, but I know this movie pretty well, so I can't just remember it. Um, yeah, basically, after after they, they meet up in Vaughn's place, then there's an extended amount of time where, where Vaughn takes James around, and they, they sort of um, they pick up, uh, they pick up a sex worker at one point and drive her around, 
and James is kind of fascinated by Vaughn's vessel of the car and how powerful it is and how much it leaves him in a trance. And he's very fascinated by the power that not only Vaughn holds over him, but his car. Uh, in many ways, it is just Vaughn who holds power over him. Um, obviously, they do share a sex scene in the end. So, yeah, pretty pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I just think that's funny. Um, let's see here. Yeah, and then another scene that really stood out to me was when Vaughn was taking pictures of the fog-filled car crash. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful um, metal fetish dream because... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's here's why that led up to it. Because Vaughn, uh, Vaughn was questioned by the police uh, in killing a, a pedestrian... James says Vaughn wouldn't deal with pedestrians and implying that, well, that wouldn't provide any pleasure because it's not a sexual act. There's no, there's no two forces colliding in it. Um, I mean, well, okay, yeah, there is. It's just one of them isn't as strong as the other. So it would be more of a, it would be more of a sadistic, uh, a sadistic sort of act, um, which obviously it's, it's still sadistic when, when he does crash into cars on purpose, but, uh, and they are, uh, non-consensual to it, but in, you know, in that sense, I think he thinks of it as, well, there is a, he finds the sadisticness of it and the sadism from it as these are two equal forces colliding, it's just I have power over the other, which is, I, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, the police question him about that. James, Catherine, and Vaughn all drive away together, and they, they end up, they end up stopping by and see a car crash taking place, Vaughn says, you know, slow down, slow down, we gotta take pictures of this, you know, and he's like, this is just awesome, you can tell he loves it, he, he stages photographs of it, takes pictures, uh, it's a metal fetish dream I wrote down, and, uh, oh, oh, Seagrave, I don't know why, was I calling him Seagrass earlier, what the heck was I doing, okay, uh, no, Seagrave, Seagrave, couldn't, uh, he couldn't wait, as it comes to, comes to realize that, that, um, basically this is from the car crash, was Seagrave making the Jane Mansfield crash, there's a dog in the back, he's wearing giant fake tits, and he's, he's, you know, uh, he, he couldn't wait. The desire to, to do that together, or to do that by himself is too much. Um, and I think Vaughn is just mad that it wasn't both of them doing it. He's mad that he wasn't involved with it, that he didn't get to experience that pleasure of making that crash, which is interesting. He's not, he's not mad at Seagrave for doing it. In fact, he's pretty proud and calling it, you know, an awesome touch. He's just mad that he didn't get to experience it with him, which I think is interesting and shows a lot about 
their relationship together. Uh, James notices that that there's uh, blood on the tires and on the on the uh, on the dashboard, which could could uh, could tie Vaughn to any killings, and the police could be after him for it. And so they all head to the car wash scene. This is the other scene that I think of whenever I think of this movie. Um, it's just, like, fantastic. Uh, you can hear all the sounds of the scrubbing over the car and the sexual act. It's wet, it's moist, it's a very metal, metal, what do you, I don't even know how you say it. Oh, metallic, I guess. And you can just hear and feel everything. It's gorgeously shot. Um, and it's shot from sort of a voyeuristic perspective, um, obviously finding pleasure through watching, which is, uh, interesting in a way. This scene, I guess you could also make the argument that it is, uh, inherently pornographic, but I, what I would say is that, is that it's only pornographic in a sense that it's, it's, uh, showing and accepting this, this thing finally, or not finally, I guess, um, it's, it's not in a traditional porn sense, in what we think of as porn, this is more, uh, the, the raw, unfiltered side of porn, and showing it in all of its, like, all, the sexual act in all of its wet, moist, fetishized, um, perspective, so I think that's very fascinating because a lot of sex scenes in movies and in mainstream porn uh, are just sort of presenting the sexual act and not really getting uh, through the down and dirty into it. Um, but this really shows it and highlights it as this beautiful thing. James isn't exactly jealous that his wife is right there with Vaughn, he's more just enamored by the power of Vaughn, and finds it interesting, um, Catherine smears Vaughn's, uh, semen (laughs) all over the car, because in an earlier scene, they were talking about, uh, James and Catherine were having sex, talking about the semen on the car, smelling Vaughn, and smelling semen, and just, yeah, there's a scene, they're having sex, (laughs) they're like, and Catherine is like, you know, did you suck his dick, and everything, and it's like, whoa, okay, but also, James finds it pretty hot, and he's pretty entranced by Vaughn, so I, yeah, I can see why he would find pleasure from it. Then uh, there's a there's a great car dealership scene. This is just classic Cronenberg. Um, one of the people in the underground, um, the underground sexual exploration uh, community, they they have a a leg with a wound in it from all the car crashes they've been in, and they're at a car dealership, and the. <laughs> she's like wandering around the car rubbing it and using it as a way to get around at that's how it looks to the outside like okay this disabled person is using this 
car to get around it. But then you realize that she's just rubbing herself against it in a sexual manner. They invite the car dealership worker over there. He's enamored by it. So <laughs> it's just very funny. And as as he grabs her inner thigh, uh, she grabs James's inner thigh. And it's very, it's it's a funny scene, but it also shows that okay, there's sort of a charm to this that other people are are at- latching onto as an escape of their regular boring life, which is, I find, pretty interesting and one of the main themes of this movie. Um, yeah, okay. And then there's, there's a scene right after that where, where, uh... Where James or Vaughn calls James, and they they both uh, get prophetic tattoos, and there's a great scene, another fantastic scene that you remember from. This gets into the queer identity of this movie, and it just portraying. Well, and I guess uh, I should comment on the. Oh yeah, yeah, I should comment on the scene beforehand, where afterwards. Um, James and the woman with the scar are uh, experimenting with the scar and finding pleasure through it, which shows uh, shows this fascinating uh, acceptance of yeah acceptance in in how it changes your body and finding pleasure in the physical changes in it, which is was obviously something that they were talking about but didn't really show uh i guess except for the photographs but now we're really seeing it which is pretty pretty cool oh and i guess i guess also they were showing it in that this is another fun fact about the movie the all the sex scenes in the car are shot like how the how the car crash actually happened at the beginning of the movie which is interesting so you do see the sort of uh, sexual exploration of the bodily changes and not just the mind changes, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, they very good scene. Uh, I think it's funny that the the British newspaper that tried to tried to ban this movie got a bunch of disabled people together to watch this movie and ask them about this scene and about the portrayal of disabilities and whatever and they were like ah because they thought it was the the people who got it together were a bunch of liberals from a newspaper and they and they thought you know they thought oh my god this is offensive disabled people won't like this we need to stop this and then all the disabled people they got together found it really hot (laughs) which is hilarious to me I just think it's so funny that like that like you know and obviously I'm 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 more liberal leaning you know I I yeah I like to be progressive in my views um but you know I am cynical about the liberals who who take who take a performative action against it and not finding the root of the issue and that they're the root of the issue for trying to be a savior to everybody (laughs) when actually the representation is pretty spot on and most people love it 
They just don't see the representation in themselves because they don't want to admit that they have their own sexual desires and underground taboo fantasies. So, which everybody does. And they don't, they can't admit that. Which is why a lot of people hate this movie. But I'll touch on that later. Then you get uh, the scene, James and Vaughn getting prophetic tattoos. Vaughn gets a steering wheel. James gets the little logo at the front of the, of the hood of the car. And they, then there's a great scene in the back of Vaughn's car as they're licking and having sex with each other. And they're licking the wounds. And it's just fantastic. I love this scene so much. Uh, again, getting that queer identity into it. Then James goes into another car, and Vaughn tries to crash into James. Um, they're in, like, a junkyard, and this just shows that, okay, James James finds the passion in just having sex, but Vaughn likes to take it one step further and uh, put the car crashing into it, but James isn't ready to sacrifice his life yet for pleasure. Um, he might, he will be, but right now he's not. So, then they, yeah, then, then, let's see here. Uh, there's a great, there's a great scene, um, where, where Vaughn, he, oh, Catherine and James are driving, and Vaughn is, is following them, and talking, or, yeah, following them, and trying to crash into them, and instead he crashes into a truck, or into a bus full of people, and experiences the ultimate pleasure, which I think just goes to show that Vaughn, at this point, is is trapped in an addiction of pleasure, and wanting, he, he has a death wish at this point, but he, he sees the death as a pleasurable sexual experience because of the involvement of car crashes into it, which is, which is interesting and shows the more addiction side to this thing. Then, uh, then we get um, Helen and the girl with the gash are, uh, are fucking in the back of Vaughn's wrecked car, again showing the the more, uh, queer identity and acceptance of all of your sexual desires, um, because queerness is seen as taboo, um, even though it's just straight up love, um, the, and there really isn't anything taboo about it, but, you know, that's a whole other discussion, um, I mean, it's not, it's not a whole other discussion, but it's an important part of this movie, and why, why a lot of Cronenberg's movies are seen as, uh, as bisexual, why they're seen as trans in a lot of ways, and, well, I'll touch on, I can touch on the trans in uh, other Cronenberg movies, but this more so shows the bisexuality and taking that taboo subject and stripping it down to this is just love and passion, which is what I think the movie ultimately gets to in a broader sense. Uh, then James gets the car back and drives recklessly with it, 
with the car following Catherine, and at this point, at this point, he has found, uh, he has found the, the passion, or yeah, he has found the death wish, and he wants to, wants to, uh, enact and really experience the full uh, scope of, of death meeting sex, meeting pleasure, uh, meeting crashing into each other, and he, yeah, and then the, the movie basically ends, uh, he makes her crash, and they fuck on the side of the road, beautiful scene, as they, as they, the camera rises up, showing them having sex, uh, but before we get that, uh, James says to Catherine, um, maybe the next one, maybe the next one, darling, and this just, this calls back to Catherine at the beginning, when, when they were talking, and James says that he didn't come with his camera girl, and that, uh, Catherine responds with maybe the next one, and this just takes that to a heightened sense in, in that James was looking for the pleasure in death, or just Catherine, to show that she came and found, uh, sexual excursion through it, but then they are able to naturally fuck on the side of the road in the, in the wake of the car crash, which is a very beautiful accepting ending, but it also, you could take it as a warning for the future, and for, for how now, um, there are, there are people, yeah, it's, it plays on this idea that, okay, now, now that you've, now that you've, uh, immersed yourself into this world and fully accepted your sexual desires and wanting to create the most, create the most passionate experience possible. Now, let's, let's add on death to it, which would be the ultimate pleasure out of the car crashing, out of the sexual experience with it. So in a way, it becomes an addiction, but is this addiction really so bad? If they've already accepted the death, and if they've already accepted the, the pleasure out of it, then isn't the death, isn't dying in a car crash and experiencing the ultimate sexual pleasure with your partner uh, better than just straight-up vanilla sex in your boring life when you can't even come? I mean, who's to say? I find this ending to be really happy and showcases two people who at the beginning were in a meaningless existence, unable to find true passion in their meaningless pleasure, and are now able to fully express and want and yearn for, for the ultimate, um, the ultimate coming together and crashing into each other and creating the ultimate sexual pleasure. So sure, maybe, maybe you're the type of person who's horrified by having a death wish, but is, is having the death wish, experiencing the pleasure, so much worse than living in a time where technology is advancing, but people are becoming 
more and more complacent in their daily lives. I think it's better. I think it'd be better if you've accepted it. If you're unable to find happiness and pleasure in your daily life, and this is your only escape, I say that's your that's your thing, and you should go for it. You could, so you could either, you, you know, and stripping it down to very simplistic terms, it's basically two unhappy married, married people, uh, um, gracefully uh, going through the underground and coming out in a way where they've found an addiction, but an addiction that makes sense to them and gives them meaning in life. It's kind of an inverse of, of Eyes Wide Shut in that, in that movie, they didn't learn jack shit, but, well, they, okay, I, no, I, I, I can't get into that now. <laughs> I've got a lot of opinions on Eyes Wide Shut. Um, I, I, sorry, I shouldn't have even brought that up, man. I, I get too worked up over Eyes Wide Shut, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and they, they actually learned something from it and are coming out the other side uh, ready to experience the next stage of human, of, of sexual evolution and also bodily evolution in that they do accept their injuries, which is ultimately what David Cronenberg gets to. On a meta level, what this movie does is showcase the science fiction bodily horror aspects of David Cronenberg's work and uses it as a front to enable uh, the sexual uh, pleasure and desires that David Cronenberg has. The front is just, is just the, techno- the technological advancements and evolution, the more science fiction body horror evolution. But, I mean, and what this movie shows is that, well, there's more of a sexual evolution to it, and it's fully enacting our taboo desires. You can probably handle a dissection of, um, like in, like in, uh, well, not Videodrome, that also touches on sex and violence and whatever else, but you can handle, um, a dissection of technology and how it's warping our brains on a surface level, but once it gets to the deep desires that you don't want to admit, then it becomes hard to stomach and hard to look at as, as okay, this is, this is something truly uh, personal. And so it just sort of pokes fun at David Cronenberg's career and says, yes, I'm fascinated by the evolution, the surface level evolution and bodily aspects to it and uh, surface level mind aspects to it. But I also want to include the the um, the desires and my personal desires and pleasures in life through sex and violence, whether or not he actually has any of these um, pleasurable desires, which I think is why scanners would be the surface level videodrome, whereas videodrome is the full deep diving and combination of the bodily changes into the more personal taboo um, topics while also being a very universal movie. And this is the sexual evolution of it 
while also uh, including violence and sadism and masochism through it. So, yeah, all that's to say, man, amazing movie. Uh, I think why I didn't like this movie the first time, and I didn't touch on this when the scene came up, but when Vaughn is following James and Catherine on the road, uh, James mentions, where's all the cars? Where did they all go? And I thought my little brain was so excited for the, because I was so bored for most of this movie, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then, uh, when they, when they, like, when they were doing that, I thought we were getting, like, a crazy, like, car orgy scene, a bunch of cars just fucking in this giant open field, and you would see a bunch of people, you, you would realize that this is, that this is a universal sexual fetish, and that, oh, the whole world is involved with this, and, and there would be a crazy body horror ending, a bunch of sex and cars, and it would be beautiful. I mean, it would be kind of cheesy, but, you know, I think it would be kind of awesome. I don't know. I, it would be interesting to see how that would play out. And I think what's so interesting about why I thought that is because now I look at that and I'm like, well, that would kind of take away take away from this universal aspect of it and and sort of when you strip away this community you just see it as that a community of people obsessed with their with their newfound desires and i think what's interesting is that you rarely ever see outside perspectives of anybody else, really, in this movie. There's only a couple extras who have lines and who give, give context to, this, to the outside world, which I think is intentional on David Cronenberg. You also never see anybody else driving the cars. You only ever see them and the people involved in the car crash fetish community, which is intentional to show that these people also have underground desires. They're just different than what we're focusing on right now. And which gets into why people don't like this movie. It points a, it points a camera towards people truly enacting taboo sexual topics and fully experiencing their pleasure in a way that is so taboo to what what uh, quote-unquote regular folk don't like, even though those regular folk also have desires that they are scared to enact. And it just goes to show that this movie is universal in showcasing uh, people actually enacting those, actually experiencing pleasure because of it. And I think that's why people are so uncomfortable by it. It's not that, you know, the car crash is kind of, is kind of, you know, gross and whatever, and there is some gross sex in here. It's that you are painting a picture of people fully enacting it, and that's why it's so interesting. Uh, I find those movies pretty fascinating. I watched a movie the other day called, the, it was not even a joke, it was called The Doll Fucking Movie. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Straight up, exactly what it sounds like. 
and there was and I thought that the the presentation of it was awful because I, I rated it half star and justifiably I said in my review who is this for this is you know and and not in a way of like of like denouncing people who are into this stuff just in a way of like there is no dissection and it doesn't even paint the the image of this in a good light it's just sort of awful i was like i was like i can get behind seeing these images and i can get behind pointing a camera at uncomfortable things like i do with crash because i love how it points a camera at your uncomfortable sensibilities but with that movie it was like they pointed a camera at it and said okay this guy's doing it man what like there was zero dissection zero just nuance to the to the discussion of it and i'm all for showing these these frustratingly um you know grotesque and taboo acts of sexual uh, violence or, or or i mean sexual pleasure and and i guess violence um, i won't get into that discussion now i think that's an interesting side to all this um uh, and showcasing it in a way that just points a camera and shows it. But if, if there's not going to be any nuance and not going to be any enjoyable universality to it, I just think you've kind of failed at a movie and instead you've just made a porno. Which maybe is what the guy was trying to do and maybe I should give more credit to it, but also... If you do watch that movie, it is pretty awful in its presentation, and it's just not a fun movie to watch. It's sort of bullshit art house, pseudo art house transgressive um, stuff, which I think this is, Crash is very much an art house movie in a way that it shows, yeah, it's transgressive art house, but it is also uh, very beautiful in a sense. I don't know, now I'm kind of, like, rethinking me, you know, not liking the doll fucking movie, because I think that movie's just awful straight up, but maybe, I don't know, but maybe I'm, I, like, giving it too much, like, flack, because, I don't know, but I also didn't pay attention to it, so I feel like I can't really, because I found it so boring and, like, stupid, um, I don't know, I, yeah, I feel like I'm not really close. I'm, like, on the brink of just finding this world of transgressive, uh, sexual and violent, um, pleasures really fascinating and showing them in, in, uh, in a light of, well, they're just enacting pleasure, so, hey, what, I mean, what the fuck, you know? Fine with me, and they're doing it, um... I think it's just interesting in the the doll movie how they relate it to violence and whatever, but they can't really combine the two, and it's just boring and showing transgressive acts with no nuance. I like when you show straight-up transgressive acts, but you do provide nuance to it. I think that's interesting and more, more effective than just making a making a, a porno that doesn't, or, or, or uh, an exploitation tape that doesn't provide nuance or show any deeper meaning or understanding 
to okay well these are the the acts and this is what this is what I do and then what you're watching this I don't know I yeah maybe I'll go change my I think yeah I think I'll just go delete my review on the doll movie because I don't I don't know I think I just gotta figure out more about this stuff it also doesn't I well okay yeah obviously it it yeah obviously I've never committed an act of violence um neither or whether sexual nor nor just straight up violence so and even there's an argument you can make that all violent acts are sexual and pleasurable in a way but man we're getting crazy off topic here uh I I would love to do an episode just talking about my thoughts on all this and relating it back to some of the movies I talk about that'll probably be like further down through the podcast because I have zero idea how to do this now and talk about transgressive stuff. Uh, oh, actually, no, my, my episode on Midori, I think I do a pretty good job at explaining the why, why I liked watching these violent acts. Not like, uh, just why I found it enamoring. Okay, all that's to say, what can we learn from Crash? Um... I think I I summed it up pretty well. You go from a meaningless existence into a new exciting path. Unable to climax and reclusive, you um then when you crash and strip away all the external uh figures and use a force so great it sends you down an underground path of really learning from your sexual pleasure and if it becomes an addiction, does that really matter? It, it's probably better than the meaningless existence beforehand. It's just finding a balance between it. And I really hope that James and Catherine do it, but I also fully understand that if they just die in a car crash, they will experience the ultimate pleasure that they have found themselves enamored by. Um, but... Well, and also the death wish becomes healthy in a sense, and it becomes the ultimate release of pleasure. Uh, I just think with uh, it, it should be taken as a cautionary tale, in that we need to recognize that that these these sexual acts should be balanced out and used to find meaning in ourselves and in our daily lives but if you do take it far enough is that really bad because it's probably better than the life you lived before you found this so yeah that's crash everybody (laughs) thanks for listening sorry this episode came out later than usual sorry we went crazy on this episode but i was having fun i like talking about this movie um I'll be back on Monday of next week talking about Blowout by Brian De Palma. Uh, So, yeah, I'll be talking about that movie, and you can catch it there. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. Follow me on Letterboxd at Eli Holmey. Uh, I review a lot of movies on there and talk about a lot of stuff, um, including the doll fucking movie, which you can go 
go look at that I straight up had to log that movie because I did watch it and I did not like it, but you know, I did it anyways. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening, man. This was a this was an awesome episode. I'm kind of I'm I'm pretty proud of it. So, yeah, thank you guys so much, and I'll see you all next time. Bye bye.